What's going on, guys? Welcome to People Playing Games, a podcast all about people who make the world of games awesome. As always, I'm your host, Mike Andronico, and joining me today is a veteran of video game PR. I've been told she's the queen of embargoes, and she will probably be a famous author sometime pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> My very good friend, Valerie Turpin, how are you? Oh, what's up, Mike? That was an awesome introduction, and hopefully all of those things are true. Uh, being the queen of embargoes is definitely true, that part I can say, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I can verify. I I've been, you know, I was putting the show notes together and I was just trying my best to not make this entire episode just an hour long joke about embargoes. Cuz I feel like every time we every time we're together that's kind of what oh, what happens. It does, but that's just cuz embargoes are a huge part of what we got to do, you know. It'll it'll find its way in these conversations, I'm sure. Yeah, speaking of, is there any <laughs> capture live stream you know impressions information i should know before putting this out into the world um i can let you know that information by nine o'clock eastern tomorrow uh full information can be available on friday so perfect and there's a press kit and everything yeah of course yeah assets are available online so i can give you the link to that after this call (laughs) awesome i will i will definitely download those put them in my dropbox oh man we could but i had multiple of those emails today (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's why like yeah you you guys listening at home will have to bear with us because this is what happens when you're working in games media all day <laughs> and uh so speaking of yeah what's you know you are the senior uh pr manager at sandbox strategies yes. if, not, if i'm not mistaken that is so, correct yeah so uh how are things going over there these days things are really great um i've been at sandbox for about gosh two and a half years now i guess it's crazy how the time flies but um, we're a boutique PR agency, which means we work with a ton of different clients at once. And there's a lot of variation between those clients. So I've worked from everything on Apple watch games to VR games, to VR peripherals, to, um, core PC games, core console, AAA, the smallest indies for mobile, like everything, you know, that you could think of in the games industry. I've in some way, you know, touched at this point. So, um, I really enjoy it. I know it's it can be quite a lot to work on this side of the PR world versus working on something really big like, say, Skyrim, uh, where you're focusing most of your efforts on one title. It's very different what I do with working on like five or six different things at once. But I really enjoy it. It always keeps things interesting. And I really like what's coming out that we have going on like this fall. So things have been really cool at Sandbox recently. Any particular projects that at least that you're allowed to talk about that are happening right now (laughs) yeah i would say um i i mean i work on the h1z1 franchise for daybreak games and that one's one of my core games here at sandbox so we've always got a lot of stuff going on um they have their big invitational again coming at twitchcon this year so that should be really cool um another project i just absolutely love working on is crytek's hunt showdown which i think mike you saw at e3 and I did see it. Yeah, it was that was yeah, a super cool game. That was that was really really cool because uh, Crytek had sort of not talked about that game since 2014, E3 2014, in fact. So it was like three years later, uh, we were kind of coming back with what was essentially I've been calling like the spiritual successor of itself because it just changed so much since anybody saw it, and it's just like really really taken off, and people are just like we're super pumped about it from E3 and. Um, now we've got some stuff kind of coming into the fold here, so I can't even talk about that stuff too much yet, but it's been 
really cool seeing how much people are already getting into it and uh, just being on the back end here, getting to work on that is such a cool game. So that's one of my favorite ones that I'm working on right now. Awesome. Yeah, definitely looking forward to more of the hunt. Definitely looking forward to the uh, H1Z1 Invitational game because that was pretty cool last year. Yeah, you got to hang out with Rick Fox, the band who's like eight feet tall, more yeah, or less. He, that dude towers <laughs> over you. He really does. He's he super gives, he, nice, though. He gives great handshakes, too. Oh, yeah. Ext- extremely firm. Extremely firm, break your hand kind of handshake. Yeah, it's it still hurts. I'm <laughs> it's, you know, since last October, it's just never been the same. Um, yeah, are you going to TwitchCon this year? Absolutely, yeah. Nice. I cannot wait. That's awesome. I actually don't think I'll be there, but a couple of us will be there at TwitchCon, so you'll have to say hello to some of the other sandboxers. Yeah. No, I'm super looking forward to TwitchCon, especially for this show in particular, because TwitchCon's kind of my vacation from everything. Right, sure. Uh, there's not too much for me to worry about work-wise, so I'm hoping to just like schedule a bunch of interviews with streamers and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and I think I think it'll be a good time. That's awesome. That's the best kind of way to go to some of these shows. You know, we have to work so many of them that it's just really nice to have like at least one where we don't have to do that. So it's yeah, it's it really helps to, to take yes. a breather <laughs> for sure. So before we go through your journeys uh, of becoming a master of games PR, <laughs> I want to just uh, just talk about your gaming history a little bit. Uh, so as always, our first segment is first favorite worst. So okay. Val, I want to know the first game you ever played. Okay. Your favorite game of all time. Okay. And what do you think I is the worst wish. game you ever played? Oh man. Um okay, so first is probably the easiest. I want to say Kid Nicky was actually my first game for Super Nintendo. Huh. Uh, or just the regular Nintendo. Actually, I have very odd little memories of that game being super young i have two older brothers so it was really them playing it and me being horrible at it and probably just jamming the a button over and over but we'll probably make that count the first game that i really remember when i was young would have been donkey kong country 2 which is still one of my favorite games of all time that's that's a great pick Uh, i love that game uh david weiss has just such amazing music and you know that's something i you know, working in video games or whatnot, listen to so many different soundtracks in the video games, uh, you know, world. So whether it's games I've played or not, it's just, it sticks out so much to me. So I would guess first would be Donkey Kong Country 2, like first cognizant game that I right. remember playing. Favorite? Um, probably be a tie between Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess and I know, which is not the usual one for Legend yeah, of Zelda. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting kind of, pick. It is, it, you know, the, those good old Wii, <laughs> those Wii mode controls, you know, that everybody yeah. loved, but no, they did not. Um, I really loved it because I thought, A, I love the music to it, and it was just so dark, and it kind of came to my life in a really good time because my oldest brother had just gone off to college, and then he came back home and played that, and we had, like, Christmas vacation like that uh, together like we always did, except I appreciated it in a totally new way. Right. Um, so that would be favorite. I want to say Banjo Kazooie, but I already just said <laughs> Twilight Princess, so it's I'll okay. stick with that. Almost um, everyone I've had on has picked at least two favorites. Yes, that's that's like the hardest thing. <laughs> it's so um, hard. Yeah, those are those are both great choices. I've definitely, I've I've definitely gotten Banjo Kazooie from other guests before. Oh, I love um, that game. Yeah, what what a what an excellent 3D platformer. It's just um, so good. I mean, it was just so core 
like that era, you know, like just from the music from Grant Herp, uh, Kirk Hope, who, mm-hmm. you know, has done everything with Mario Rabbids, which I was playing today and yeah. was pumped to realize he did the music because it's just like you could immediately tell his style. Right. Um, did the types of puzzles and ah, what a what a weird fun game. <laughs> I love that one. So yeah, those two would make my top two list. And then worst game. Oh man, that's really hard. <laughs> right, because your job is to make games sound great. Right. How yes. Are you going to talk bad about any game? It's also <laughs> part of my job is just finding the thing that's also good about it. I have something good about most, if not all, games that we work on. So whether it's you know not every game is going to have the capabilities of being a Skyrim, which I keep mentioning because I love Skyrim, but. You know, there's something usually redeemable about it. So even if I choose a game that I didn't like, I'm sure that there's something good. So I am going (laughs) to I'm going to go super controversial on this one. And I'm not because I'm actually having a hard time picking something. There probably is something I disliked more. But in most recent memory, the biggest disappointment for me and least favorite game was actually Firewatch. So, yeah, it was um you know, same kind of deal. I was with my brothers playing that uh, over Christmas time, just very, you know, this past Christmas, and we just could not get into it. Like, it was very slow, and the visuals were stunning. Like, that was why I initially wanted to play. But I couldn't get into it. I I didn't love the voice acting too much uh, from the female character, and then uh, we screwed up the path we were supposed to go down. So then we had to do all the stuff we had just done, and we were just like, forget this. So, you know, it might have been a, a victim of circumstance, that one, but oh, I couldn't do it. <laughs> Wait, I know it's an indie darling, but I just no, yeah. couldn't do it. I, you're not the first person I've that's that's kind of had mixed feelings on the game yeah. like that. <laughs> um, that's how the, that genre is, I think, a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so we're, so these days, as we talked about before, you, your senior PR manager at Sandbox, you've been in games PR for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, but how did that journey start? Did you, you know, did you always want to be in the games industry? Did you always want to be in PR? When did, when did everything start for you? Yeah. So I'd say, I, I mean, I had been playing games since I was a kid and I was always kind of in the DNA of, of growing up and. My oldest brother is now a game designer, the one who I would always play all these games with, and the other is a computer programmer. So it was always kind of in my world, but I didn't think about it as a career until late college. So I went to USC for film school and for history and uh, got really deep into the film program, was helping make films, was interning at Fox in their television studio. Like um, I had this amazing job while I was there where I got to like talk to these unbelievable people in the film industry, including like Kevin Feige and um, you know, these like heroes of mine in the film inter- you know, industry. So mm-hmm. I was doing that job as a student, which was crazy. Um, and it was amazing. And I was like always super nervous. And cause I was talking to these people that I, I really looked up to um, thought I was going to go into filmmaking and realized that that was just that, passion wasn't quite there for filmmaking for me like it was it's a very 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 tough industry not unlike the games industry um, but I just didn't have quite that drive to make it even though I enjoyed it it was not 
It was actually Kevin Feige who convinced me that I didn't want to be a filmmaker because he really? said that there was two people. There's two types of filmmakers. There's the ones that, you know, they're they're watching their clo- their phone and checking the time every ten minutes and saying, okay, when's this gonna end? And then there's the other person who's like, great, all right, it's it's 11 p.m. and uh, call times at 5 a.m. Great, oh, wonderful, see you there. And I realized. That's not me, Mr. Feige, <laughs> president of Marvel. And um, yeah, no, was, thank you. No, thank you. It was a it was a tough uh, realization. But what I realized was I really liked the job I was doing of getting to interview these people and give a spotlight to some of the students at USC who are doing really cool projects. And I was finding sort of the PR version of that, like building people up, you know, who were very small and would eventually go on to hopefully do something. And some of those people already have, and some of them are already more established. But I found I really enjoyed working with talented people, usually in small teams, who made something amazing and then didn't have any idea what they wanted to do with it. And that was really hard to see because it sucks when you know somebody who's trying their best and they're super talented and you believe in what they're doing. And then this industry is just so difficult to navigate. Like, it, your stuff gets lost all the time on Steam mm. or, you know, on any platform at this point. On mobile is a great and terrible example because it's just so damn crowded on there. Sorry for Yeah, swear. Look, looking through the app stores can be a nightmare. It's it's really terrible. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's really brutal. It's really competitive. And how do you stand out in the middle of all of that? So I found that I really enjoyed finding ways to build those people up. And in part of that, when I was leaving school, I was deciding, do I want to go into film and do it on the PR end, or do I want to try something else? And um, an internship opened up in New York for games and, and tech, and I was like, okay, let me you know, try it, and really, really loved it. And it was very much the same kind of thing I was doing at the film school, except now I was working with game developers who were making these amazing projects and wouldn't you know, be able to get themselves as much hype or you know acknowledgement without pr than if they just tried to do it on their own and just get completely lost in the shuffle so that's how i initially got into it awesome and uh was so you came over to new york uh to intern uh was triple point your first triple point was technically yeah so the job i had at usc was technically an uh like an assistant communications and PR associate, but it was, yes, triple point was my first non school gig. So I started as an intern for three months, uh, came into being, uh, an associate or yeah, <laughs> I'm forgetting the title of a sudden. All those. Yeah. The, um, the usual, uh, <laughs> the usual here. advancement tree so account manager. That's what it was. It was there you go. I don't know why I was forgetting that, but then, um, yeah, I was an account manager for about a year and 12 months and then became a senior account manager uh, and then ended up at Sandbox where I became a PR manager and then uh, moved up to senior PR manager in the last about six months. So it started this year, I guess. So that's actually a lot longer, 10 months. (laughs) So speaking of Sandbox, what's kind of a typical day there uh, as a a senior PR manager? Yeah, so the role has definitely changed changed a bit since I uh, have become a senior PR manager. So I don't do quite as many of the things that I used to do when I was new. But um, I would say checking in on all my clients is a 
pretty normal part of each day. Uh, you know, everybody, you never want to make any of your clients feel like they're forgotten. Um, and of course, we would never want to do that. So checking on them, making sure that I'm kind of up to date with everything that they're doing and that we still have all the relevant information, because as we know very well in the games industry, things do get moved back quite a bit. So um, sometimes we get to know that stuff before it happens. Sometimes we kind of get wind of it uh, when it's happening. So depending on, you know, how much lead time we get, we can help advise our clients about those things. But it sort of it really depends. And that's, again, because I just work with so many different types of clients that it's you have to kind of be able to pivot pretty quickly to help them in whatever way that they need. So um, that would be the one thing, checking on them. And then a big part for me, you know, when I'm not on client calls, is really just like working on story angles and how we can come up with something interesting that A, our client wants to talk about and B, we think you guys as press would want to talk about as well and be interested in. So coming up with like something cool, uh, whether it's a portion of, you know, we play all of our games here at Sandbox. We're not like just signing things and, and then just not knowing what they are. So we spend time, you know, either on the computers at work or here at our you know home offices, checking out our games and kind of seeing where we think the potential is for something to stand out. So that's, depending on what that is, we'll kind of bring that back to the client and talk to them about like, this is what we think is really interesting about your game. And here's something we think could work really well for you. So there's that. Um, we have a, a lot of times, you know, just trying to work along their timeline of this is when we want to launch early access. And we have this idea. What do you think about this idea? And uh, really trying to support what they're doing internally. We've seen, you know, the people at Sandbox, most of us have been there a pretty long time and the partners have been here for, I mean, the agency's like 11 years old, I believe. And they were, you know, industry vets before they started Sandbox. So we have just so much, you know, knowledge kind of at Sandbox and being able to like anticipate. It's like we've never seen something for the first time ever for the most part. Right, like right. we have so much knowledge and that's why our clients like us is because we just have you know we can be like well we've worked on this or we did something similar like this or this worked out really well or and eh, this wasn't really something that flew with this client or whatever all right and we're just so you know especially in my kind of role as a senior PR manager I do talk a lot with press and kind of try to know what you guys are interested in as individuals because you might be interested in something you know I've come to you before where it's something esports or you know, anything I think might be cool to you uh, right. versus like what I might be talking to Vice about it might be very different things, you know. So, so so wait, so you don't just send a blanket email that says, dear editor, dear editor. Oh, man, I thought that's how it works. <laughs> oh, that's it would be so much easier. But, you know, <laughs> those the oh, amount man. of those I get. That's just brutal. No, it's you know, we do send our press releases, but you have to opt into them to get them. Right. Um, right. But really, like it's. I don't really send out mass emails and that's partially just because, you know, I, I really like, I've always really liked working with journalists as probably the number one thing about PR is because in some ways I just relate to you guys because I love writing on my own, even if I'm you know, not a journalist, I love doing my own creative writing. So I understand that portion and why that's, you know, important to you and to have a good story and understanding what my clients want, 
doesn't always translate into a good story. <laughs> so, right, right. You know, it's it's a lot of advising them on good and bad ideas. Whether it's like they think uh, that something's super cool about their game, but then it turns out like uh, it's actually not gonna work out that well. But let's talk about some other ideas that we think could be cool. You know, we never want to just be like, ah, that idea sucks. Like nobody's right. gonna like it. But yeah, it's you know, I spend a lot of time just talking and and getting to know you guys and it's gotten easier now because it's you know i've been doing this for a while and it's not like i'm starting as fresh but in the beginning it was just taking a lot of time to get to know you guys individually and you know uh, the kind of story i know somebody at the verge would write versus la times versus you know TechCrunch and what you're interested in and what you're not and that's just also interesting to me as a person who is like your friend because i care about your life exactly so, that that no. helps too yeah, I mean, it's I've like... I've always appreciated that. Well, I, you know, it's important to me. And, I, <laughs> you know, I don't think I could do PR without liking people so much. Um, yeah. And it's, at least for me, it, it deepens everything. And it's always super rewarding when you're able to work with uh, journalists that you're friends with and or, like, just, you know, have worked with for a while and have a good rapport with. And uh, they end up liking your idea and talk to the developers and a, a cool story comes out and that's because you've just developed a great working relationship for a while and you know can actually hang out with those people outside of work and you know I, I think I love that part of the job so that's become a much bigger part now that I'm a senior PR manager I don't have um, you know there's still like call notes and stuff I have to take and all that and staying really organized with every client because that's was probably one of the most difficult things about starting out was just Making sure I didn't screw up the timelines for everybody is is very, it's a lot when you're working with so many projects. But um, yeah, that's one of the big things I do, and then just making sure everybody's kind of happy on both ends. And uh, crisis management is always fun on those Put, days. Putting out all those little fires. Uh, yeah, they definitely happen. I, I mean, <laughs> yes, it's uh, it's just part of the the nature of the beast. Is like you know bad stories are going to come out or things are going to be delayed and people aren't going to be happy and so, someone breaks embargo and someone your eyes just turn red just you breathe you breathe fire breathing on them. fire I'm, I'm going to full dark phoenix on them for breaking <laughs> embargo or you know it's <laughs> that's the thing it's like there is some similarities from day to day but a lot of it is just you know having to react and anticipate what we think could be both good and bad for all of our clients so that part is always interesting. And speaking of making all these connections and you know finding finding the cool story in all these games, what what do you consider some of your biggest accomplishments in PR so far? Um, that so there was a when I was still at Triple Point, one of my very first games as an uh, account executive. I had was pretty fresh off of being an intern. And didn't want any, didn't want my client to realize that, of course, because I wanted them to feel really well taken care of. And there were other people on the account, but it was kind of like my training ground. Um, they were a small indie company who put out, this was back in the days of mobile games where you could have a premium game and it wasn't uh, the way it is now where there's fewer and fewer of those and they don't make really any money. But um this was back in the, the day, and they had just this killer mobile game. It was really cool. It was a really interesting concept. It was super sleek, and um, I ended up looking 
for journalists. I didn't know anybody yet. I was I was putting together a list of people I thought would be interested in this game and then um, did a lot of work on the back end and, and pitched and tried to, you know, be personable with people who I did not know and was still learning about and um, ended up just the day it launched. Just it was just insane. It got so much coverage. It was just like got a lot of love because it was a great game. And on the back end, we were just trying our best to get people to notice it in the midst of everything else. So I found out after that project that the PR that we did on it ended up getting them funded for their next project. And that to me was like, that's why I came to PR was to help people keep doing what they love because of partially because of my work. Like, of course, they needed to make an amazing game and they did. But I know that they wouldn't have been able to you know, get any, they would have launched on the app store and that would have been it, you know? So it was, that was one of my favorite things. And that was really early on. Um, other stuff, it's really cool working with somebody for a long time and then maybe not even working with them or like just knowing them for a long time. And then finally, finally finding that story that they're going to love that not just like anybody's going to love, but they're going to love. And that's been really cool. I've done, uh, I did that actually really recently with Polygon for um, a story on Daybreak, and I thought that was really cool. Uh, there was, I'm trying to think of like specifics. I there was pretty early on. I did a story with LA Times of this small, different mobile game that was really cool. It's like a noir thriller, and uh, didn't know him at the time, the author, but ended up getting like an interview with my client with LA Times which was pretty much unheard of for a mobile game and that was really cool I think those sorts of hits that sort of take a long time or take a lot of thought and then they finally come out are just super cool so yeah that that must feel awesome it does it's because it's like it's just so cool when they're just these small developers and you know that's what I always really liked and I do like working on big games too but I just love, it just goes back to the reason I got into PR, which was working with really talented people who weren't able to get their work out the same way without having help from a person like me or Sandbox and um, elevating their game and make, letting them continue doing what they love. Speaking of talented people getting their work out, uh, you're also a writer when you're not <laughs> doing PR. You like that transition? Oh, that was so good. <laughs> Tried to, yeah, tried to be slick about that it. That was awesome. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so tell me about writing. Was that, was that always a passion of yours? No. My twin sister uh, was the one that we kind of saw as the writer in the family. And she did a lot more like kids, like children's stories and has a really creative knack for that. So I didn't grow up thinking I was going to be a writer. Didn't think anything like that, actually. I thought I was going to be Indiana Jones uh you know so we can't have everything <laughs> but yeah but, i mean um, it's, it's not too late <laughs> yeah there's time you yeah your, you got your whole life ahead of me that's, ahead, that's... ahead of me ahead of you <laughs> it's ahead of everyone <laughs> it's, it... <laughs> valerie turpin ahead of everyone oh man if only no I'm that's kidding. the uh that's the autobiography <laughs> yeah that's out. the memoir that's uh you know penguin 2018 no, i'm just kidding um so <laughs> so no i didn't grow up with thinking i wanted to be a writer it was really when i was in film school 
And um, I realized, you know, one of the things I loved about film was the story. And that's also why I love Indiana Jones is because he's an adventurer and does all this crazy cool stuff. And um, I realized I really uh, wanted to write, have something that I created from start to finish. Uh, And I, I enjoyed working on different projects and doing portions of a larger project. But I really wanted to have control of that story and yet just be kind of mine. So when I was a senior in college, I want to say, I had the idea of a girl who ended up getting telekinesis in some way uh, and she wasn't born with it. Sort of more like the Spider-Man version of it. Like she kind of gets it and doesn't know what happens to her. Mm-hmm. And sort of ran with that and started kind of working on it when I was still in school And then really kind of took more of a break when I started my career in PR because that was and and then moved to New York because that was all a lot of stuff at once. But once I got to Sandbox and sort of had established my career, I could not take a step back, but kind of come back to this creative idea I had. And then so that's been one of my big ambitions for the last especially the last year i'd say was just you know finishing the first draft and then really took really really took off this year in terms of just the sheer amount of work that's been done on it so um it's still got a lot of that original you know it's it still has that core idea of a girl who ends up with telekinesis and it's very much kind of the the dark phoenix if she were like a teenager <laughs> um and she ends up with her powers but doesn't know how she got them and kind of has to abandon her original plans for her life because this thing is happening to her and it's not a good thing that's happening to her. <laughs> like, you know, I love Marvel and uh, there's all these superhero stuff going on now and everything's kind of wonderful and happy and the, they're the good guys. Uh, this is not that kind of story. Hers is like, She's got this, and it's kind of a bad thing that's kind of screwing up her entire life, and uh, super ends up being super dark. So, it's a different kind of story, but yeah, it's kind of crazy. I've been really pushing myself on it. Um, went to this big The Writers Digest conference a couple weeks ago, and uh, mm-hmm. several agents really liked the concept. So, I'm just putting final tweaks on it now, and then I'm going to send it out and uh, kind of ask somebody to do for me what I've been doing in my career in games, which is take a chance on me, uh, somebody who hasn't written a book yet and hopefully see the merit and help me to get it to where it needs to be so that I can hopefully, you know, have a career in it too. So I've sort of seen the other side. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely super excited to read it. It's called the unknown. It is called the unknown. Yes. So as (laughs) it's funny, the things that take you forever to write, like, Coming up with some of my characters' names took days and research, and then the name for the book was literally two seconds because I really yeah. the idea of the fear of the unknown, and that's kind of what her whole life is is sort of just kind of getting over what she does not know and uh, having some pretty kick-ass powers in the, the meantime that are wreaking havoc. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been really amazing to work on and. I'm just really excited to get it to the point where it's it's almost ready to pitch. And I mean, I did pitch it, but what, now it's almost ready to like be fully done and send out. And we'll see. It's a really slow process compared to the games industry. Like I can't just hit click, you know, on Steam and it's up there. 
but that would be awesome if you could just put books it on would Steam. be awesome <laughs> i mean i could do that on amazon um right. there's just a lot of like reasons that i don't want to do that necessarily uh that i won't get into too much here but the main reason being that i want to have the full exposure that i i want it to have as opposed to getting it out there and and then it's sort of just there and sitting out there so this kind of helps me to do everything I, I do for my career but for my own work yeah kind of speaking of kind of mixing the two things together i mean does does your day job at sandbox kind of complement your writing or does it is it tricky to balance the two it was really hard at first um one of the hardest things about writing in general at least any i think any creative project and i'm sure you know this um for yourself as well is just really dedicating your time to it oh yeah and, um for me i realized pretty early on that like i'm every hour that i'm doing that i'm alive i'm choosing to do something so like or i'm by doing one thing it means i'm not doing the other thing so like mm -hmm. i know i want to have a career and i know i want to dedicate my life to that as well and help people and and care about it because pr isn't just like a thing that i'm doing and it's like you know it's in the way it's it's something i really love doing and love helping right. people and uh love being a part of this industry so it's not like that um but yeah it was really hard at first coming back and being just exhausted and being like eh, i'm not gonna i'm just gonna watch netflix and watch malcolm in the middle for the fifth time in my life and just marathon it <laughs> yeah, I, I had to pull myself away from Destiny Two yes. to record this. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of myself for that. I'm very to be proud honest. of you. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's everything. It's having right. life. It's deciding that I am new to New York and wanted to see you in New York, and I wanted to see the East Coast, and I love traveling, and my work sends me to travel, and uh, it was really just, it came down to like really deciding I wanted to do it, and then figuring out what worked for me and what didn't in terms of like. You know, can I write for just an hour at the end of the day? Like, is that does that seem to work for me? And if it didn't, then I was like, okay, well, how about two hours on Saturday morning? I'm like, well, I'm not really a morning person. Okay, then two yeah. hours starting from noon to two. What can you do that? Um, and being really honest with myself about what worked and what didn't and not trying to make myself work into something that didn't work out very well for me while still pushing myself. So I can't really write that well before work in the mornings, but I can write very well from like the hours of seven to nine. So, you know, sometimes I have to tell people like I can't hang out or I have to push something or try to make dinner really early. And um, because I, I want to do this, you know, I want to make it work and choosing to do it means that other parts of my life might take longer or you know, I, I can't finish Shadow of Mordor all at once, which I realize I'm super behind in. Oh, man. <laughs> I know. I'm like halfway done. But then I was like, I need to focus on writing. And, and it took the precedence. So, you know, yeah. some things just there's a balance. And that was really hard. Um, Sandbox is surprisingly um, supportive of my work. And they're really, really cool about it. Although my boss claims that he's going to take 50% of all the money I ever make on my book. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm the true visionary here. I'm like, oh, jeez. <laughs> of, of course. Yeah, so I made a terrible deal there. Uh, <laughs> but no, they're really cool. Could be making a lot more money. Exactly. <laughs> um, but no, they're they've been awesome, and they're, you know, I've taken off days just to write before, and like there be no other reason, and they've been really supportive of that, and 
they were supportive of me taking off time from work to go to that Writers Digest conference. And um, they're about as supportive as I think a job could be for your creative endeavors that have nothing to do with your job. So, um, yeah, it, it was definitely finding a balance and definitely trial and error to figure out what worked. But it just kind of came down to really deciding that this is what I wanted to do and making clear goals for myself um, is another thing I do a lot for my clients <laughs> is like, <laughs> I want to have written four chapters this month. Or, you know, those were earlier goals and uh, maybe they weren't realistic. So the next month I was like, okay, what about three? And then try to kind of, you know, balance it out from there. But it was very hard. It was very, very hard finding the balance between having a day time job that is a career that I care about and then having this, you know, other totally separate creative endeavor that I also want to see succeed. Yeah, definitely. It seems like a very tricky balancing act, but it looks like you're making it work. Yeah. Now, now I think I'm making it work a lot better than it wasn't (laughs) before. So, you know, right. it takes a lot of trial. and error. It does. And at this point, when I came back from the writers conference a couple weeks ago, I was just like, I don't want this to take forever and I'm going to take, you know, for the next draft of of all of this. So I was just like, I'm going to write for the entire weekend of Labor Day weekend. I don't have to go to PAX for once and (laughs) I'm, I'm just going to do this. And I wrote for 20 hours across that amount of time. I've never done anything like that. I had a headache for at least half of it because of just thinking so much, but it was insanely rewarding and now i'm like so pumped to write and finish it and just have everything ready to go so that was another sacrifice like i could have done so many different things during pax weekend labor day weekend for everybody else and i was like no i i want to give this to writing and i'm so happy that i did and now my head hurts (laughs) (laughs) well it it definitely seems like that's all gonna pay off the book sounds super awesome thank you and uh yeah and as as we wrap up here and as as marie insistently uh barks at me (laughs) uh asking for either food or sleep or something uh i do too yeah i i i wanna (laughs) before we before we peace out here i was wondering what advice would you have for people looking to uh either get into games or PR or writing, uh, any of the things you do or kind of some of the lessons you've learned? Oh, man. Um, I think part of just getting into games was listening to other people. And uh, when I started out my career, again, I didn't expect it to go into games. I thought it would be film. And I thought it would also be Indiana Jones. So uh, <laughs> I had to not learn. Too late. It's not too late. But when I started games, <laughs> I really spent a lot of time in the beginning as an intern just reading what you guys were writing and Mm -hmm. keeping my ears to the ground and and trying to absorb as much information as I could and asking my team questions uh, quite a lot not questions that were like can I use get where's the key to the bathroom or for the eighth time what is the google password but really like (laughs) hey I was listening in on this client call And you said that you don't want to announce the third week in September. Why is that? As opposed to just like, you know, I was really trying to understand the rationale and the logic behind what we were saying to our clients, what we were doing internally. And I had some really good, you know, teachers at the time when I was learning all that stuff. So I'd say listening 
Um, I wish I started Twitter sooner so that I could talk even more about embargoes sooner. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> They're <but> so important. <laughs> but just to see what you guys care about. And, you know, sometimes, yeah. like, I'm not as huge of a PC gamer as I am in, you know, for console, but it's a huge part of my job, and I do enjoy some PC games. And I, you know, but some things can fly under my radar because I'm not dealing with that as much. So, Listening to going on something as simple as Twitter and seeing what what other journalists are talking about and what's really getting a lot of hype and then just kind of rating everything you guys were doing and really familiarizing myself with at least what you liked as professionals or, or seemed to be interested in and then getting to do the fun stuff like getting to know you guys as people behind all of the, the stories was very cool. So, yeah, I would say listening and asking questions that lead to intelligent like things that you'll learn from like truly learn from is really important um getting into writing i think the thing that i wish i did first was just start a very basic outline of what i saw in my head i kind of did but there were some serious plot holes uh, in the beginning and i've had to still work myself out of them which took forever but um just having a short little outline for yourself of what it is you, you're trying to write and what you're trying to accomplish. Um, there was an amazing book that I also wish I read in the beginning called Plot and Structure by James Scott Bell. Anybody who's starting out writing, I would 1000% recommend that book because it was just so, so, so helpful for me starting out. Um, and then for writing, just really deciding why you want to write because it's so easy to just be like, oh yeah, I, I like writing. I'm going to write a book. But there's a huge difference between like actually writing a book and giving up other parts of your life or right. realizing that your schedule is going to be different because you're choosing to write a book. And hopefully you still love it the whole time because I've, you know, even through all the difficult things I've done with writing, I've never stopped loving doing it. So I think it's really important and I think it's OK that some people want to write a book, but it, but they don't actually want to write a book. Right. So there's, I think, really talking to yourself about that because it's it's almost like a career decision, um, and just seeing what you want. If you want to put it on Amazon, fantastic, that's wonderful. But be aware that you're never going to be a New York Times bestseller because they don't go against the numbers on Amazon. <laughs> like mm. they just don't. Yeah. Um, so like knowing your goals and knowing and understanding what it takes to get to those goals, whether or not it's like. You're looking at authors who did it, and re I think for me it's just just wrapping myself with as much knowledge of what I'm trying to do, of people who've done it before and have advice, and yeah, probably for all my advice for anybody trying to start out any of this, whether it's games or PR or writing, is to just listen to other people who have done it and really read and do your research and trust that you can learn something from somebody who's done it. And uh, if you really still want to do it after <laughs> you've done all that research and understand what it takes to get there, then more power to you, because that's going to help your career more than anything, is you really wanting to go after it. That is all awesome advice. <laughs> uh, so basically, you know, be ready to make those sacrifices. It is. And, uh, and understand really what you're trying to do, because I think it's. You know, why I wanted to be Indiana Jones when I was young was because I wanted to be an awesome, you know, archaeologist. And then I realized that being an archaeologist would have sent me in the, the deserts of Arizona where it's a thousand million degrees. And I don't care about Arizona. I wanted to go to Egypt. I didn't understand what it meant. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand that I was going to need to take years of Arabic, like 
yeah. like that. So the more information you just arm yourself with to make these decisions before you make them is so important. <laughs> and then letting people help you along the road and asking for that kind of help. So, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and with that, Val, thanks so much for being on. Uh, where Thank can people follow you? Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where can people keep up with uh, all the awesome things that you do? <laughs> I'm on most places as Valerie C. Turpin. Um, Twitter, um, Instagram is that name. ValerieCTurpin.com is all my writing stuff. But um, Twitter is where I am probably the most active and uh, tweet the most about cats and embargoes. So that's probably the place the, to start. <laughs> those are those are the only two things. Those are the only matter. ones. That's the only reason anybody's going to want... Oh, I just smacked my mag. That was probably really loud. Sorry. That's all right. It's, <laughs> it's getting pretty late. I'm getting tired. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, ValerieCTurpin.com will at least lead you to all those other fun social links and all that stuff. So this was super fun to get to talk to you, Mike. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I, I, I had a blast. Uh, thanks again for coming on. I am definitely looking forward to the unknown thank you i will keep uh, you posted hopefully some cool stuff come in this fall so we'll see <laughs> yeah please do you know send me all the embargo information sure i will i will absolutely honor yeah, it yeah first 50 pages under embargo <laughs> <laughs> no leaks no spoilers <laughs> everything can go up at five in the 501 in the 501 in the morning the, the 01 is kind of the key part. <laughs> yes oh yeah it's central european standard yes time. That's, right. that's always it's that's kind of yeah that's that's the new standard we joke but i had to send that yesterday <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, we just had uh, IFA and a whole bunch of crazy European things yep. going on. So, yep. <laughs> oh, man. So to you guys listening at home, as always, this has been People Playing Games. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and pretty much everywhere podcasts are available. You can keep up with us on Twitter, at TPG Podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter, at Mike Andronico. And as always, guys, keep on listening. <laughs>